You are listening to Revival Talk. I'm Pastor Terry Bailey, and I want to thank you for joining me today. The message today is the glory of the cross. This was a recent message that I shared on a radio broadcast. Let's open God's word together. Well, good morning and welcome to Spiritual Mind, Spiritual You. I'm Dr. Terry Bailey. I pastor the South Greenwood IPHC congregation in Greenwood, South Carolina, and I have the privilege again this month of filling in for Dr. Pauline Hughes. I pray that today's broadcast will be a blessing to you, that you'll be left with hope, you'll be encouraged as we open up God's Word. But I want to open up today with a message entitled, The Glory of the Cross. I want to talk to you about the cross and talk to you about this season that we're in, the season of resurrection. It's actually Passover time, and Jesus was the Passover lamb that came and fulfilled the beautiful types of that Old Testament feast. The Apostle Paul wrote these inspired words to the church in Galatia in Galatians 6.14. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. I found the following quote concerning the glory of the cross. Maes Chabda writes in his book, The Cross, Epicenter of Glory. What happened at the cross when God reconciled the world to himself is a mystery we shall keep discovering from all eternity. Like the cascading force unleashed in the splitting of an atom, the action of Calvary will be forever unfolding in power. The glory of the cross is an explosive, eternal, energy-creating, continually unfolding revelation of beauty. He continues, the cross is the glory of God. In it, we behold him as he really is. The glory of God is revealed in the sacrifice of Christ at the cross. The cross stands today as a symbol of victory. It represents victory over sin, victory over death, and ultimate victory for the believer through the Lord Jesus Christ. When Christ suffered on the cross, he did so for humanity's sin. He died so that we can live a life of freedom and victory. In John chapter 10, verse 10, we learn that Christ came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. The first part of that scripture says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. I like the way that reads in the Amplified Bible. Listen to what it says. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance. To the full till it overflows how do you view the cross what comes to mind when you think about the sacrifice christ made at the cross in many churches today there's no preaching of the cross salvation through the blood of jesus has been replaced with salvation through social activism the salvation is the salvation of works and good deeds but we must return to the preaching of the message of the cross because the cross confronts our sinful condition. Jesus made this statement in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The Apostle Paul writes these words concerning the cross in 1 Corinthians 1, 18. 
For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. To those who do not know Christ, they consider the preaching of the cross to be foolishness. But those who hear the convicting voice of the Holy Spirit and realize their lost condition understand that the cross represents the power of God. The cross was an instrument of death. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The cross reveals the glory of God today. It is because of the sacrifice of Calvary that the words of Romans chapter 8, verse 18 inspire us. Listen to what it says. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. The cross reveals God's glory. The cross reveals God's glory. When I see the cross, I see an emblem of glory. I see an emblem of victory. The cross is a visual demonstration of God's love for humanity. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans chapter 8, verse 6 through 8, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So the cross today stands as a witness of God's glory. It reveals his unconditional love. And you and I can experience this love. We can experience this glory as we journey to the cross. Throughout your Christian journey, you're going to find yourself needing to go and kneel at the foot of the cross. What does God, how does God demonstrate his glory at the cross? Well, three things real quick this morning. Number one, he demonstrates his glory through the passion of the cross. Throughout the scriptures, the Lord Jesus is revealed as the Lamb of God. In John 1.29, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In verse 36, he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold the Lamb of God. Like John, we see him as the eternal Lamb of God who died to take away our sins. What did he accomplish on the cross? What happened when he laid down his life? Well, the Bible sums up the achievement of Calvary in three words, salvation, revelation, and conquest. God knew that man would fail him. He was not surprised when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden. We learn in Revelation 13:8, all who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus came for one purpose, to redeem fallen humanity. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. In 
1 Peter 1, verse 20, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world that was manifest in these last times for you. In Isaiah 53, we are presented with a prophetic picture, the atoning work of Christ. This chapter is one of the most descriptive prophecies of the plan of redemption and the sacrifice of our Savior that will later unfold and be revealed in the New Testament. The scripture, Isaiah 53, verse 5, is one of my personal favorites in the Old Testament. Listen to these beautiful words. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. What was it that compelled Jesus to go to the cross? There's a scripture in Isaiah 50, verse 7 that states, I have set my face like a flint. In Luke 9:51, now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. What compelled him? His passion to do the will of the Father. Listen to the words he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. I've been to the Garden of Gethsemane. It was one of the most beautiful, peaceful places. And there next to the Garden is the Church of All Nations. And it is a place to pray for the nations and I went to that place and there in the garden if you've been there if you've never been there and you have an opportunity to go I would encourage you at some time for to go and experience uh, Israel and the land of Israel it will make the Bible come alive to you but there in that garden they have trees that are grown from the roots of the trees that were there when Jesus was there in that garden praying in Matthew 36 the 26, 39, listen to what he says. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. What was it that compelled him to go to the cross? It was his love for lost humanity. John three seventeen says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You know, the Holy Spirit never condemns. Condemnation pushes you down. Condemnation puts heaviness on you. Condemnation brings you under oppression. It's sin that condemns. It's the enemy that condemns. Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but they who walk according to the Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts us. So the message of the cross is not a message of condemnation, but it is a message of of deliverance, and a message of salvation. So his glory is demonstrated through power of the cross or the passion of the cross. You see, Jesus was passionate to do the will of the Father. Listen to his words again that he prayed. If it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, that might be one of the greatest words in all of the word of God. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. But secondly, he demonstrates his glory through the price of the cross. Salvation is God's free gift to humanity. You can't buy it. You can't purchase it. You can't inherit it. You can't be born into it. You have to be born again into it. It doesn't come because of my pedigree. It doesn't come because of my social standing. It does not come because I'm born into a famous family. It comes because I ask Jesus to come into my heart and I am renewed regenerated, my life has changed. You see, it's free to all who call on his name. 
There's one name given under heaven whereby men might be saved, and that is the name of Jesus. It's free to all who call on him, but it did not come without cost. It's free, but it's not without cost. We learn through our study of the scriptures that there was a heavy price paid for our salvation and deliverance from sin. What was the price? Well, the Lord Jesus Christ left the splendor of heaven and came to a rebellious planet to die in our place so we could be reconciled to God. In John chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. The Apostle Peter writes in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. This word precious, the precious blood of Christ. The word precious is an important word because in the scripture it means priceless. Now, what does it mean, priceless? We tend to think of treasures, works of art, certain types of jewelry as being priceless. This means that there's no way to measure their worth. We cannot put a price on what they're worth. They're priceless. They're above our ability to measure their worth. Now, if you were going to sell your house today, you would have your real estate agent to pull comps, and you would come up with a, a price based on what other things were selling. But if something's priceless, there's nothing to measure it by. And when he says we are redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus, that's the priceless blood of Christ. When Solomon dedicated the temple, his sacrifices and offerings were very expensive. Let me just share with you out of 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 63. And I'm going to read it from the Living Bible. Solomon offered to the Lord a peace offering of 22,000 cattle and 120,000 sheep and goats. So the king and all the people of Israel dedicated the temple of the Lord. This is a prophetic picture of the priceless blood that would flow down the old rugged cross at Calvary. What was the cost of our salvation? Well, it cost the father his son. It cost Jesus his life. And look at what he endured at the hands of his creation. In Mark chapter 15, verse 1 he was handed over to the Gentiles. In Matthew 27, 26, he was scourged. In Luke 22, verses 63 and 64, he was beaten. Dr. Frank Tunstall writes, Roaming flogging was one of the cruelest punishments of the ancient world. The sentence was tantamount to being beaten to death, minus a blow or two. Most people would pay any price to avoid it. And Jesus knew he would not escape that either. In Matthew 27, 30, he was spit upon. In Isaiah 50, verse 6, his beard was plucked from his face. In Matthew 27, 26 through 29, he was mocked. In Matthew 27, 35, he was stripped naked. He suffered denial in his inner circle. He was betrayed by one of his own. We learned that Peter... Peter, who later preached the inaugural sermon of the church at Pentecost, his beloved disciple, he denied him three times and even cursed. He suffered betrayal by Judas. He was nailed to a cross. 
And God revealed his glory through the prize of the cross, the passion of the cross. Jesus was passionate to do the will of God. And now he reveals his glory through the prize of the cross. As Vice President George Bush some years ago represented the United States at the funeral of former Soviet leader Leonid Brezhnev, Bush was deeply moved by a silent protest carried out by Brezhnev's widow. She stood motionless by the coffin until seconds before it was closed. Just as the soldiers touched the lid, Brezhnev's wife performed an act of great courage and hope, a gesture that must surely rank as one of the most profound acts of civil disobedience ever committed. She reached down and made the sign of the cross on her husband's chest. There in the citadel of secular atheistic power, the wife of the man who had run it all hoped that her husband was wrong. She hoped there was another life and that that life was best represented by Jesus who died on the cross and that the same Jesus might yet have mercy on her husband. Notice thirdly, he demonstrates his glory through the prophet of the cross. The glory of God is revealed through the cross of Calvary. What was the purpose of the cross? The purpose of the cross was to buy our pardon and provide peace. And let me share what a pardon means. A pardon means it's a record is made clean. It's expunged. Now, there's a difference in a pardon we receive from the state. Perhaps someone is messed up. They've served their time. They're now a model citizen. They can apply to our state and the state will issue them a pardon. What that means is, is they take that transgression where they broke the law off their record. Now, they just simply move it from one file cabinet to another file cabinet. But when God pardons us, he doesn't move it from one file cabinet to the next file cabinet. The Bible says he puts it into a place we call the sea of forgetfulness. Our record is expunged. The enemy will remember it. And he will bring condemnation. He will bring it to our memory. But God does not remember. So the purpose of the cross was to buy our pardon and provide peace. You and I profit from the cross. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, the Apostle Paul writes to instruct the New Testament church concerning spiritual gifts. Listen to what he writes. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. You know, the same is true of the cross of Calvary. We profit from the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary. We learn that the Prince of Peace provided us with a peace that passes all understanding. Did you know that one of the very benefits of the cross is the peace of God? Most people today don't have peace. There, there's a Money cannot buy the peace that is provided through the sacrifice of the cross. That's why the Bible defines it as a peace that passes all understanding. I'm able to lay down at night and know that if Jesus were to come or he were to call me home, I would wake up in glory. I don't have to worry because the Prince of Peace provides us with a peace that passes all understanding. Listen, let me share with this as we close this in just a few moments. We profit from the cross in the following ways. 
Romans 5, 9 says we were justified. That means we're made legally righteous before God by his blood. Romans 5, 10, we were reconciled, restored to friendly terms with God by his death. Ephesians 1, 6, we were accepted, received as favorable objects by God by his death. Romans 4, 5, we were adopted, purchased as sons from hell's orphanage by his sacrificial death. 1 Peter 1, 18, we were redeemed, brought back from just condemnation by his death. Romans 1, 5, we were washed, our sins purged away in God's sight by his blood. Hebrews 10, 10, we were sanctified, made formally holy before God by his death. Romans 5, 11, he became our atonement, our sacrificial gift of appeasement by his death. And Romans 3, 25, he became our propitiation, which means our sacrificial gift of appeasement by death. The glory of the cross is revealed through the purpose of the cross. The cross is God's love statement to the world. What happened at the cross for our prophet? Salvation was provided for all who will simply call on the name of the Lord, Jesus. Jesus. What a powerful name, the name of Jesus. You know, sometimes when I don't know how to pray, when I just don't know what to say, I'll just simply say, Jesus. Jesus. Take a moment where you are, if you're in your car, if you're in your home, you're listening today, and just take a moment and say that name with me, Jesus. It'll change the atmosphere in your room. It'll change the atmosphere around you. What happened at the cross for our prophet? Salvation for all who will call on the name of the Lord. Did you know that Satan was defeated by the power of God at the cross? We glory today in the one who died on the cross and the glory of God is shown to us by the one who died on the cross. In the 14th century, Robert Bruce of Scotland was leading his men in a battle to gain independence from England. Near the end of the conflict, the British wanted to capture Bruce to keep him from the Scottish crown. So they put his own bloodhounds on his trail. When the bloodhounds got close, Bruce could hear their bait. His attendants said, we're done for. They are on your trail, and they will reveal your hiding place. Bruce replied, it's all right. Then he headed for a stream that flowed through the forest. He plunged in and waded upstream a short distance. When he came out on the other bank, he was in the depths of the forest. Within minutes, the hounds tracing their master's steps came to the bank. They went no further. The English soldiers urged them on, but the trail was broken. The stream had carried the sin away. A short time later, crown of Scotland rested on the head of Robert Bruce. The memory of our sins prodded on by Satan can be like those baying dogs, but a stream flows red with the blood of God's own Son. By grace through faith we are saved. No sin hound can touch us. The trail is broken by the precious blood of Christ. The purpose of the cross someone observed is to repair the ear repairable. Sin leaves us broken. 
Sin leaves us scattered. Sin leaves us lonely. Sin leaves us in despair. Sin brings anxiety and fear and sorrow. The wages of sin is death. Spiritual death, but ultimately physical death. Sin will leave you broken. Sin will leave you in a place where you're irreparable. But Jesus Christ went to the cross. And when he went to the cross, he went there for you and he went there for me. I love the words of the song that we used to sing years ago. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. I want to tell you the cross still stands today as an emblem of God's glory and God's victory. To the world, the preaching of the cross is foolishness. But those of us who know him, it is the power of God unto salvation. Look to the cross. And when you don't know what to do, when life comes against you, and you don't know what to do, kneel at the foot of the cross and simply pray and worship and call on the name of the Lord. 